You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. Today on our five-day-a-week schedule, James, we cover a little bit of news, some free agents that maybe the Bengals should sign or maybe they've expressed some level of interest in. Then we're a little bit late on this one, but PFF on Saturday tweeted a comparison. Would you rather build a team around this three-player core from the Bengals or that three-player core from the Browns? We'll compare pieces there and talk about where the better bet would be from the players proposed. Then we're going to wrap up with a cool initiative from the Bengals that kind of goes hand-in-hand with the poll that The Athletic did. Jay Morrison draws a really interesting parallel there. We'll talk about how the Bengals are trying to hear from you about the content that you hear, including us, the Lockdown Bengals podcast, of course, and what other content you're looking for from the team that maybe they're not doing today. So an opportunity to get your voice heard from the team, tell them what you would like more of, tell them who you listen to. And when we get there, I'm going to obviously encourage you to tell them if you enjoy our program that you like the Lockdown Bengals podcast so that we continue to have opportunities to work with the Bengals in the future, of course. But James, you reported this. This is on allbengals.com, your Sports Illustrated Bengals reporting, that the Bengals spent some time with Jordan Matthews, who has added a little bit of weight and is trying to transition to tight end at this point in the NFL. He worked out at a hub football camp in San Diego. Obviously, many teams in attendance there to see the variety of players that were participating there, but the Bengals specifically, according to you, James Rapine met with Jordan Matthews and spoke with him after his workout. Yeah. He impressed them, impressed the the teams on hand based on a couple of people I talked to that were in attendance at the camp. And it's interesting, right? Because if you look at this team, specifically the skill players, the one area where in, not that CJ Uzama or Drew Sample are bad players by any stretch, but if if you're looked at the 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 weakest of the the positions between running back, wide receiver, tight end, I would say it's tight end. And so you got this guy who has over 20 career touchdowns, has over 3,000 receiving yards, and he had the the self awareness to say, you know what, I probably do need to try to move to tight end. And he's added about 15 pounds. I think he weighs in the high 230s. And I heard he moved well. And the thing that you, you're concerned about, right, is his blocking. But but apparently he had a pretty decent showing blocking-wise as well. So this could be something. It could mean nothing. The other thing I want to point out, though, and it's kind of funny that we're talking about Jordan Matthews, the tight end, because at the Hub football camp in April, Cheyenne O'Grady, C.J. O'Grady, worked out there, was impressive, and the Bengals invited him to, to rookie minicamp and ultimately signed him. So you, you never know. Uh, with these things, but uh, the Bengals certainly were there and, and they're doing their due diligence. And who knows? I mean, do you think Matthews could potentially be a good fit? I mean, it's it's a really uh, a weird thing. You see all these guys trying to to play tight end suddenly, but Matthews seems like the the most established of them. I don't really see the difference at this point in their careers between a Jordan Matthews type player and an Auden Tate type player and the Auden Tate fans are going to maybe think this is a slight to Auden Tate. That's not the intent here, but from a build perspective, Jordan Matthews is listed at 6'3". 
He's 236 pounds. Auden Tate, 228 pounds or so, maybe a little bit taller, but similar body style, similar builds. And I, I find it interesting the way that he talked about his decision to move to, to be a bigger receiver, to play this tight end, this move tight end position, because he said that he was looking at the incoming draft class, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Kadarius, Tony, Elijah Moore, all these guys that are shorter. And he even included Jamar Chase in that because Jamar Chase is probably the tallest of all these players. And he said that, you know, the game changing, shifting away from big receivers, I'm watching this and said, we might have to make a shift. And that's what he did. So he puts on 15 pounds, weighs in at 236, which is, is very light for a tight end, especially if you want him to play in line at all. And so do I think it makes sense? I have a hard time seeing it. The, the Bengals could use some depth and competition in the tight end room. And if, if Matthews wanted to come here and be a part of that, great. But I do see him as a little bit redundant with having Auden Tate on the roster. And just they have a lot of guys at tight end that have at least played tight end and are you know, what I would imagine would be similar depth, but Jordan Matthews was at one point in his career, a pretty solid NFL receiver too. So he does have that in his, at this point, kind of ancient history, but you go back to, you know, 2014 to 2016 and he was pretty good. And and so that's the thing, right? Is, is he better or can he be better than Mason Shrek? Can he beat out Thaddeus Moss? Yeah, I don't know. And, and, and that's the tough thing, right? I mean, I, no, I don't think he's going to be a good enough blocker. I just don't. Even though he had a good showing, I agree with you. But can he add more juice in the passing game than those other guys? Because Uzama is coming off of a torn Achilles, right? And, and Sample did have, and I know it's one injury, but an injury at the end of his rookie year. Injuries happen. You want to be at least three deep at tight end. So I, I think it's possible, I guess. But you're right. Like, it, And it really depends on how they view Auden Tate and, and if Tate's willing to uh, move around a little bit more and kind of be that hybrid tight end guy. Cause they did it a little bit last year. And we talked about that because if he's willing to do that, well then why not just use him? But if he's not, and it's just kind of like, I eh, know I'm a receiver. It, it, well then maybe you bring in Jordan Matthews and, and you bring 90 guys to camp for a reason. So I, I wouldn't knock him if they brought him in to, to give him a look, but this is obviously one of those flyer type things the same way. It was when they signed C.J. O'Grady, who, again, is still on the roster and he's going to try to compete for a roster spot. I still only know him as Cheyenne O'Grady. The, the C.J. thing is is just going to take some getting used to. Just like the 17 <laughs> games is going to take some getting used to, I'm still saying records as if it's a 16-game season. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be opposed to them bringing in Jordan Matthews if they want to try it out, but he hasn't been good in the NFL for a while, a wide receiver. I respect him trying to remake his career, find a find a little bit of a niche as a big tight end or, or a little tight end or a big receiver, a move target a little bit, but it would be a purely depth move. I am not sure that I think he would be a better tight end than any of the other guys that they have on their roster right now. And you have on tape and, and that's kind of the thing. I, I don't know if I really see the fit, but again, if he wants to come and work out and try to make the team, it's camp, you know, they, they, they got to do it. And the interesting thing with, with training camp this year, James, last year, there was no cut down days. This year, there's extra cut down days. They go from 90 to 85. And that first cut happens on August 17th. And then a week later, August 24th, they go down to 80. And then the big cut down a week later on August 31st, all the way down to 53. So there's some news for you in case you missed that, like I did. 
And if you missed the discussion about the PFF trio, the Browns core or the Bengals core with three specific players to build your team around, we'll talk about that comparison coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, whether it's NFL prop bets, Bengals over under, maybe you think they're going to win 10 games. Well, then you can bet on them. The over under last I checked at six and a half for Cincinnati this season, or maybe it's the NBA draft. That's right. The NBA draft right around the corner. And, uh, you know, a lot of stuff going to happen in the NBA. And the other thing here, and I don't want to get too in depth because the Reds have been bad, like really bad over the past week. Uh, you can bet on their chances to win the NL Central. <laughs> so uh, you can do all that in one spot. BetOnline.ag. It's easy to sign up. You can use your mobile device or your laptop, your home, your PC, computer. It doesn't matter where you sign up. But when you do, make sure you use promo code Locked On because you're going to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, head to BetOnline.ag. Use promo code Locked On. Get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. PFF social media is pretty different from the content you get on their website from their writers, but they tend to be a little bit inflammatory, try to get the people going, try to instigate some debates, some fights, some conversations. And on Saturday, they tweeted a three-player trio comparing the, the best three young players on the Browns by their estimation with the best three young players on the Bengals, again, by their estimation. The group for the Browns is Baker Mayfield, Miles Garrett, and Denzel Ward. The group for the Bengals is Joe Burrow, Jesse Bates, and Jamar Chase. And the question is, which of these two would you rather build a team around? And I got to tell you, James, I do not think I land on the Bengals side here, but let's talk through it. Yeah, I, I think when you look at the the more established group, well, that's the the very case. Like Miles Garrett's the best player out of the six. Denzel Ward is second, and so you're, you're literally talking about here, you know, three through six to me. Now that being said, can I make the argument Burrow's better than Baker? I think I can. I covered both of them, and I think Burrow is better than Baker. Now there would be Browns fans that would push back, and you know, seeing what Baker did last year overall. I get it, but I still think he's in the in-between and has a has to prove a lot. And I would be shocked after three years if we're saying that about Burrow. So who knows? So even if you're taking Burrow over Baker, though, are, are you going to go Bates over Garrett? I'm sorry, you can't. And, and yeah, some might crush me here for saying words ahead of Bates. Maybe he's not. Maybe it is the other way. But I'm still taking Garrett over Bates. And, and then the, the third one. Jamar Chase may end up cooking Denzel Ward and we may feel differently. But as of now, I got to go with Ward, even though he has had some injury issues. I think he's their uh, best player uh, in that secondary, which ha- has added a couple of nice pieces this offseason. But um, overall, I think the most established is the Browns. So today I get why you would say that. But three months from now, I could certainly see the path for Burroughs ahead of Baker where Bates is really, really good. And even though you're putting Garrett ahead of him, it's it's closer, maybe, uh, you know, a little bit closer. And then you could potentially see the path where Chase is, you know, if he has a, a Justin Jefferson-like rookie year, he's ahead of Denzel Ward for me, right? Because that means he's probably beating up on Denzel Ward a bit in the two Battle of Ohio games. So there is a path to this changing three months from now and it being, a, 
you know, a legitimate debate. But as of right now, I, I agree with you. I think you're rolling with the best player in Garrett and the more established guys in Baker and in Denzel Ward. Yeah, I think the the challenging thing is really that Miles Garrett is in Cleveland and he's one of the best players in the NFL right now. He can do really everything that you ask a defensive end to do. He's a good pass rusher. He's good against the run. He's he's just a complete player. And he's better than really any edge player that I think we've seen in Cincinnati for quite some time. And they've had decent edge players in Cincinnati. I, I just I just think he's better and, and he's still young and and still improving. I do think Jesse Bates is better than Denzel Ward. And you said that somebody might think that. Well, I'm one of those somebodies. And I do think that Jesse Bates is is better than Denzel Ward right now. But it's not like there's a huge track record there. Like he has been very good for two out of his three seasons and and went to a next level this last year. And we expect him to stay there, if not continue to get a little bit better because he's still quite young. Denzel Ward also quite young. I think Denzel Ward has had some injury issues. But the thing here is mostly that I think having a shutdown corner is better than having an, an elite free safety, unless Jesse Bates turns into Ed Reed, right? And he's not quite there yet. I, I, well, he's not there yet. I shouldn't even say quite there. Ed Reed was ridiculous. I mean, he was he was maybe the best free safety of all time. And so Jesse Bates, obviously not at that level, but he is very, very, very good. And, you know, we talked about it with Bengal Sands. Go back a couple of weeks. We went in depth on Jesse Bates talking about what makes him elite, how that helps the Bengals and how that isn't necessarily as valuable as some other positions might be. And and that's part of what's going on here. And that's what makes Denzel Ward versus Jesse Bates kind of close is because you're talking deep middle cover one single high free safety versus guy with shutdown corner potential. But the potential is what makes me lean towards Bates here because I don't think Ward has quite realized it yet. That's fair. And there's some frustrations in Cleveland. There certainly was when I was there about the injuries and stuff like that with Ward. And and I I agree with you. If you look at elite tiers, I think Bates is in the elite safety tier. And I don't think Ward's there yet. Could end up being there. But again, you're right. The the, the Garrett tie here is is really the difference. I mean, he's just so much better than everybody else right now and can impact the game and change the game so much more. And, you know, maybe that changes. Like if Jamar Chase is an all-pro in a year or two, then I don't think he's going to do that as a rookie. I mean, that's really, really hard to do. A.J. Green was never an all-pro, for example. Uh, That being said, if he is, well, then this completely flips it, right, potentially, depending on Burrow. And and I I take back what I said. I would take Bates over uh, Ward. And I'm not just saying that because we're on Locked on Bengals. Like if I was on in Cleveland, I would say the same thing uh, now that I think about it. But I almost don't want to compare those two. I'd compare the the top defender on one team, and the top defender on the other. If it's Bates versus Garrett, the Browns have the edge. You know, I would probably give the edge to Burrow over Baker, and then it's Ward or Chase. Well, the good news is we'll get to see them match up hopefully twice this season. The bad news is is right now Ward has a, a more of a track record and it's more proven. Yeah, and it's it's I, I would say even slight there. Like I'm very bullish on Jamar Chase. I think that Jamar Chase versus Denzel Ward is actually quite close. But Denzel Ward does have, like I said, a world of potential, much the same way that Jamar Chase does, and he's shown some of that potential in the NFL. The last one that's really interesting and and maybe going to be my most controversial thing here is I'm not sure you can make a super compelling argument right now for for taking Burrow over Baker. I mean, you, you can, but it's 
it's closer than I think a lot of Bengals fans would like to believe it is. Uh, you look at Baker down the stretch last year, he was fantastic. In the second half of the season and, and into the playoffs, when he and Kevin Stefanski hit their stride, yes, it wasn't against great defenses, but Baker was was great. I mean, and it wasn't just against the Bengals. It, again, wasn't against great defenses, but against Jacksonville, Tennessee, the New York Giants, Pittsburgh twice, and even in the Kansas City playoff game, he was really, really good. And so I think that the marriage between Baker and Stefanski does have a chance to elevate Baker. And at just 26 years old, it's possible that there are good things ahead for him. Now, on the other hand, I'm I'm not going to blow so much hot air for, for Baker Mayfield because I do think Joe Burrow can be a better quarterback. I just don't think he is or I don't think he has been yet. He was really, really good as a rookie. He has all the potential in the world to be better this year. And I think I almost expect him to take that leap, but we, we haven't seen it yet. And we didn't get to see how he finished the season. And, and those are the reasons that I think it, it becomes harder to make the case for Burrow. You, the, 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 the things in Burrow's side are, you know, you go back to his LSU scouting report, you go to the intangibles, you go to the promise he showed, but even his best games were not as good as Baker's best games last year from a production standpoint, from a quality of throw standpoint. And so that's what makes it kind of challenging. Sure. And, and I, I get your your point there in numbers wise and all of that. I, I would say in I had the privilege of covering Baker Mayfield during his awful season, the season when he, you know, came out of halftime with a mustache versus different facial hair, you know, in Denver and missed Odell Beckham Jr. wide open for the game winning score with the season on the line there. And a lot of people blame Freddie Kitchens, including me, like eight games into the year. I was like, get Freddie out of here. He's not good enough. At the same time, I think Burrow's floor is much higher. Like Baker was bad that year. I don't think we're ever going to see a season where Burrow is that bad. And I think it's because he keeps, he's, he's very, he's very level. He's not going to lose it mentally. And I think Baker did. He lost himself a bit there, but to your point now with a grown up as head coach, and some structure around him. Can Baker be really, really good? I, I think so. And so it, that's the thing. And that's the exciting thing about this is for the first time in my lifetime, literally since the 80s, you're talking about the Bengals and the Browns having duels and, and, and having fireworks in the Battle of Ohio. And that's the exciting part for me because I look back at those two games last year. They were, the Bengals lost both. And they should have certainly won the Week 7 matchup. I mean, the defense, Swiss cheese. I don't know what Lou Anarumo was doing. At the same time, those are really fun games, and they're both one-score games, and, and Burrow's a big reason why. So I'm excited to see it, and uh, the debate will, will continue, and I, I think that's fun because I'd much rather talk Bengals-Browns than, than Ravens-Steelers. Unfortunately, I think the Ravens are going to be around for a bit longer. Yeah, and I think the, the argument really does come down to the, the personalities of the two. Like There are some things I actually think Burrow does better than Baker, and don't mm-hmm. tell Browns fans, but, you know, I think he's a better pre and post snap processor. I think yep. he will see with the knee, but I think he's a little bit of a better athlete. Mm-hmm. Baker has a better arm. And, and that's the biggest thing is Baker has a better arm and he's not much worse in those other areas. And I think that he's got a better structure around him and obviously has a better offensive line. We, we can't forget to mention how much better the Browns offensive line was last year than what Joe Burrow was working with. And if you flip those two guys, it's entirely possible that Baker Mayfield could not function 
behind the Bengals offensive line. But that is what makes this conversation fun. The fact that we can go back and forth on it the way we did. Ultimately, I think you can make a case for Burrow over Baker, especially when you consider the quality of the team around them. I have a hard time getting over the Miles Garrett gap, but I think this conversation looks differently in a year when you don't have to put a rookie and a second-year player coming off a shortened season on the side of the Bengals against the more established but still young players of the Browns. Coming up next, let's wrap up the show with how Bengals fans are feeling about the 2021 season. We'll look at the Athletics Bengals fan poll results and how that fits in with what the Bengals are trying to do to let you make your voice heard about content you're looking for coming up next. Baker Mayfield played better last season, and yeah, he shed Freddie Kitchens. He also shedded some LBs, and if you need to do that, you can do that with Built Bar. They're the number one protein bar on the planet. You need to check them out because you hear us talk about them all the time here on Locked On Bengals, whether it's their coconut, cherry, raspberry, maybe mint brownie, peanut butter brownie. They have nine delicious flavors, plus the occasional limited-time flavor And the best part about it isn't the fact that they're covered in 100% chocolate. It's the macros. High in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you. So check them out right now at BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15 and you're going to get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. James, Jay Morrison and Paul Daner Jr. over The Athletic did a poll of Bengals fans to get a feel for how various fans felt about this team, the future, and asked a bunch of different questions. We went through some of them, I think, in a mailbag. And today, as we record this on Tuesday, Emily Parker tweeted uh, a survey. She wants to get people's thoughts on how do you get your Bengals news? What podcast do you listen to? And what behind the scenes content do you want to see this season? I've retweeted this. A lot of the Bengals media has retweeted this. If you're on Twitter, you've probably seen this link today on somebody's page. She is looking for your feedback about what podcasts you listen to, what websites you use, etc. It's interesting because as Jay points out, 54% of respondents to that athletic survey said that the team does not value you as a fan. You do not feel valued as a fan. Now, a day or two after they published these results, Emily Parker is directly listening to the fan, and he points that out. The Bengals are listening to you now more than ever. They want your opinions. Also interesting that this comes out, you know, a day after Elizabeth does the AMA. She makes herself directly available to fans, answers 20 or so questions on Reddit. But I I do find this to be kind of a cool thing that the Bengals are doing here, directly soliciting, what do you guys want in terms of content from the fans? Because I've told them before, like, hey, Zach Taylor, do some do some film breakdowns, get on the video screen and, you know, do like Bill Belichick does break down a couple plays every week. I would I would eat that up. And there's opportunities for that sort of stuff. People are asking for like mini hard knock sorts of things where they get go behind the scenes a little bit in training camp. Uh, inside the draft room type programming like the Indianapolis Colts do. So fans are looking at ideas from around the league and saying, yeah, do that. That looks great. We want you to do some of that too. And I think it's cool that the Bengals are listening to those ideas. Absolutely. And, And it's just all part of the shift that we've seen, that we've noticed. Now, does that mean that the Bengals are going to do everything that was suggested or 50% of what's suggested? No, But the fact that they're, one, showing an interest, gauging the fan base, putting a survey out there, and and I think really trying to 
reestablish that relationship specifically with the younger fans, with the ones that are going to be willing to fill out a survey, with the ones that uh, haven't seen a, a playoff win, right? Like those are the ones that, that I, I think that to a degree they have to show they care because that's as much of the future as anything, right? The, the next decade, and I'm not saying if you're 55, you're not part of the future. That's not what I'm saying. But my point is, is you, you remember the, the 80s. A lot of us don't. A lot of us don't remember the Bengals being that good. And even when they were good, they couldn't win a playoff game. And and so when you have a perception, like you said, if it was a 54%, like that's, that's a lot of people that don't think. So, so think about that. To vote in that, you needed to care enough about the Bengals to see the athletic, search out the athletic, and vote in a survey that they posted. So th- this isn't like a, you know you're reaching a bunch of non-Bengals fans here, or it's just a straw poll of people that don't care about football. These people care, and they don't think you care back. And so I don't think this is necessarily the Bengals reacting to the survey. I think this is one of the many things they're trying to do this offseason to, to re-engage and rebuild a relationship with a fan base that has been strained and beaten up uh, for a ton of reasons that would take us a whole show to get into uh, over the past 30 years or so. Yeah, I think that it's more coincidental than anything, but it is interesting that it happens at the same time, you know, a day after the survey results come out. I, I do think that they're trying to ramp up currently their efforts again to re-engage the fans with training camp coming up now that they have an idea of what their COVID restrictions are. People are coming back into the building after taking their one vacation of the year that that football staff seem to get that happens between mini camp and training camp. So I think that that is a lot of it. And I think this was probably scheduled, but the survey does have some very interesting results in it. And this is the second year in a row they've done it. So now we get historical data to compare to James. And I think that's pretty fun. So the first one that's really interesting and Paul Daner Jr. wrote that he thinks is the most interesting is the confidence level that the Bengals are moving in the right direction in 2020, a vast, not uh, yeah, no, a vast majority of respondents, about 75% thought that the Bengals were either definitely very much going in the right direction a five out of five, five out of five going in the right direction or a four out of five going in the right direction. 48.2% gave it a four, 26.8% gave it a five. That bump, presumably because they just drafted Joe Burrow when this survey went out last year, is down to 9.6% from 26.8% at that five out of five. The, The four out of five drops a couple percent. And the big bump is a lot of people are dropping down to three out of five. And a lot of people are dropping down to two out of five. So all of those people that were really confident and were giving him all of that support have, have now kind of tempered their expectations. And now 46% still four out of five in confidence level that they're going in the right direction. But a lot of people are really lukewarm at this point, 32%, which is a, a 14 point jump from last year at this time. And so those threes can go in one or the other. They're either going to quickly become fours or drop the twos. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think it's going to take much, right? Uh, Jay wrote about this a little bit and, and Paul did too. Look, if you get off to a fast start, then I think those threes will become fours pretty quick because if they get off to a fast start, it's going to be fun. They're not going to win games 10 to four, 
right? It's going to be a probably shootout and game-winning touchdown throws and celebrations. Because and this team four? has some sweat. Ten to four. <laughs> 10 to 6, 10 to whatever. Hey, the, the Reds will lose 10 to 4. I'll tell you that much. You know, I'm just clobbering the Reds on today's show. But my point is, is like, you know, it would be fun, right? And so with all of this PR push, if they get off to a 4 and 10 start, since I'm going to stick with the 10 4, my good buddy, uh, then we're going to be seeing those threes become twos. And those fours become threes. Because if you're a four right now, you're really damn optimistic. And I, I think we talked about it when the survey came out. And I kind of put myself at a four. But, man, that's that's really optimistic, right? And it was early July. And the more I think about it, three is about where you should be. I, I think that's fair. But you you can either jump forward quickly or, or jump back quickly. And I, I think a lot of those people on the, the three line are going to go one way or the other depending on how this team starts and what they do early in the season. Yeah, and I think there's also some off-season optimism, but this is true for both years, so it's not like the trend should be affected by this, but 52% of people think that Zach Taylor will get the Bengals back into the playoffs. 47.7%, 48% do not. Uh, Fewer people believe the Bengals will win a Super Bowl in the 2020s. That's down 6% year over year. So you're seeing some deterioration of confidence. However, a lot of people think that the Bengals will break their playoff victory drought in the next few years. A lot of people putting faith in Joe Burrow to win a playoff game in the next three years. 85.2% of Bengals fans that responded to this survey think that Joe Burrow is going to win the Bengals a playoff game. And so you kind of see that, that mix of people that are less sure this year, especially less sure in Zach Taylor, but think Joe Burrow can get the job done in the next three years, which I think reflects a lot of fan opinion where all of the faith in the Bengals right now is tied up in their number one pick at quarterback. It is. And it should be. And by the way, that Zach Taylor number, and I'm optimistic right now, I think, right? You, why not be optimistic in July? But good God, 52%. I mean, what's more likely, Jake, that the Bengals have a new head coach in February or that Zach Taylor leads this team to the playoffs? And I know it's not this year, yeah. but like, that's tough, man. That That's the only way, in the, and I guess the only reason I would pick yes has nothing to do with Zach Taylor. It has to do with Mike Brown's loyalty, right? And so that would be, uh, the, I think the most positive thing in that direction, if you wanted to go that way, he's won six games in two years. Why the hell should I think he's going to lead them to the playoffs? Like that's, that's tough. The last note I'll make here is we started with that figure of how many fans think that the organization values and respects you as a fan. And we've talked a lot about the Elizabeth Blackburn push in this change of the game day experience that the Bengals are pushing this off season to be fair to the Bengals. While still 55.4% of respondents did not think that the Bengals organization valued them as individual fans, that shift is 10% in the Bengals' favor. In 2020, it was 65.5% that said, no, the Bengals don't care. And you're seeing a 10% swing toward, oh, maybe the Bengals do care about me as a fan a little bit. And you're starting to see this with these Elizabeth Blackburn initiatives, with the Ring of Honor, with the new uniforms, which, by the way, most people liked, according to this survey. So a lot of really cool stuff in here. You can check out all of the answers on theathletic.com. I'm sure we'll talk 
to Paul and Jay at some point here before the season. If not then, certainly during the season, because we're all friends with the Bengals media, at least for the most part. So I'm sure we'll get those guys on the show at some point. Training camp is around the corner, though, James. We should probably start to put some effort into previewing camp, resetting, remembering who's on this roster in case anybody's forgotten and talking about some of these training camp battles that are coming up in just a little bit over a week. With that in mind, we're back tomorrow, Bengals fans, back on that five-day-a-week grind. So make sure you remember to listen to us on the way to work. We'll get you all the way door-to-door unless you're going, I guess, more than 35 minutes to work. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.